Happy Friday. Yeah, it is Friday night. Been a long day, long week. We got an amazing weekend happening. Like, it's gonna happen. Like, it's right here, right? Hopefully you guys are safe, but have fun. Live this weekend to the best of your abilities, right? Today is Friday, April 16th. Lots of awesomeness on this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We are at 164. Our guest is Nick Myers, Mendota soccer coach. As we were speaking on Wednesday night, Carlos Rodon, Chicago White Sox pitcher, was going to war. Had a perfect game going until the second to last batter of the game in the top of the ninth. Hits him. Throws a slider. Hits him on the foot. Ruins the perfect game, which would have been the 24th in Major League Baseball history. Instead, he gets the no-no, the no-hitter, which is also amazing, but just not as amazing as a perfect game. There's been 307 no-hitters in Major League Baseball. So dumbed it down a little bit, but still got the 8-0 victory over the Cleveland Indians and got the no-hitter. That was Wednesday while we were talking to Nick Myers. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And that very day on Wednesday, the reason I was talking to Nick Myers is Mendota Boys Soccer had just got done playing in the Big Northern Conference Tournament semifinal against Rockford Christian. Mendota falling 2-1 at the hands of the Royal Lions. With Myers, we talk about the game because it was right afterwards. It was just too windy, too cold to actually stay there and talk to him. So I gave him a call as soon as I got home, turned on the White Sox game, then I muted it put it on GameCast on my phone while I was talking to Nick. So I had the White Sox going, the game that day, and the season for the Trojans. The Trojans wrapped up their season today against Genoa Kingston as the Trojans took a 5-0 victory in the Big Northern Conference Tournament third place game. That's how the season's going to go down because there is no state tournament. There is no postseason. This was the season. This was the end of the tunnel, the end of the light, the end of the road for big Northern Conference soccer teams. In the game against Genoa Kingston, Junior Yahir Diaz, you will hear this name many times throughout this podcast, scored three goals against Genoa Kingston. He has 20 goals, three assists on the season. He is definitely a player of the year candidate. And he is only four goals shy of setting the Mendota High School total goals record. So that is obviously going to be something that he is going to try to do next season. In the championship game for the Big Northern Conference Tournament, Dixon is the champion. Won the tournament after winning the regular season with the best record as they won 2-1 over Rockford Christian. The goals for Dixon were from... Boston Glesner and Grayson Blumhoff. That was also today on Friday. So congrats to all soccer teams. Boy style. I know they want to keep the season rolling. Unfortunately, we got to call it quits. We're just going to run that right into high school sports. Got a lot of that to talk about on this episode 164 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Lachance. We're here. We're ready to talk all kinds of awesomeness. Don't know where you're listening to this episode, but you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and 
www.rss.com backslash podcast with an S backslash edge of your seat podcast. Social media, hit us up about anything. Twitter, edge of your seat P and Facebook, edge of your seat podcast. Have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, want to advertise with edge of your seat podcast, anything, 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 anything. Send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Have to give a shout out to Brian Cavelli, the creator, the mastermind of the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The high school sports segment that we're about to get into is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Last week, the IHSA Illinois High School Association announced the girls' All-State basketball team this week on Monday they came out with the boys team 1A Indian Creek seniors Drew Gatson and Cam Russell made the team they were both 1,000 career scorers for Indian Creek reaching that milestone this season for Anawan Weathersfield senior Colton Quagliano made the 1A team and for Roanoke Benson senior Luke Brahman also made the team. Honorable mention also from Anawan Weathersfield, Brady Kelly. The 2A team featured Fieldcrest senior Jackson Kusick McKay. We had him for a conversation which is going to be aired this upcoming week. We have girls that were on the All-State team and boys that were on the All-State basketball team. We will air those this week. Wrapping up their seasons had a lot to talk about. Lots of awesomeness. Also on the 2A team, Newman Jr., Marcus Williams. Honorable mentions for the 2A team, Byron Sr., Zach Tucker, Kiwani Jr., Nico Powell. For 3A, Ottawa Sr., Anthony Cooper. Honorable mention, LP Sr., Drake Weber. Both of them, 1,000-point career scores for their represented squads. 4A, DeKalb's Tretton Kyler. He's a senior, and he is on the All-State team. Congratulations to all. Played some monster games. Had a monster season. Whether there was COVID-19 or not, they balled it out. So let's go over some scores, some things that has happened around Illinois, Northern Illinois, Central Illinois. From Monday, April 12th to Thursday, April 15th, we will break down football and things that happened on Friday on our next episode. For Monday, April 12th, volleyball action. Putnam County defeated Henry Sinanchuan in three sets. Henry Sinanchuan took the first one, 25-18. Putnam County wins set two and set three, 27-25, 25-19. Rock Falls defeated Mendota in three sets. Mendota taking the first, 25-20. Rock Falls rallying for 25-12 in set two and 25-18 in set three. Seneca defeated Marquette in three sets. LP defeated Plano in two. DeKalb defeated Indian Creek in two sets, 25-20, 25-20. In golf, Landon Plem, who is going to be a freshman this upcoming fall at Hall, won the junior high division in the prep tour tournament, Seneca's Oak Ridge in LaSalle, shooting an 84. That's not easy to do, especially that age group. Congrats to him. Boys soccer, Morris defeated LaSalle Peru, 3-1. Irville knocked off the pew in the Little Ten Conference opener. We will continue to go with that tournament as we're breaking down these results as well. Genoa Kingston 
defeated Oregon 5-3 in a big Northern Conference quarterfinal. Genoa Kingston, of course, losing to Mendota in the third place game today. For Tuesday, April 13th, also volleyball action. St. B defeating Princeton 25-16, 25-22. LaSalle Peru knocked off Rochelle in two sets, including taking the second 25-23. Indian Creek defeated Earlville 25-15, 25-16. Burrow Valley took care of Morrison as they swept the night winning freshman and sophomore games as well. Marquette defeated Putnam County 25-19, 25-18. DeKalb lost to Naperville North in two sets, the second set ending 25-21. And Sycamore defeated Ottawa in three sets. Also taking place on Tuesday, the Week 5 Illinois football coaching polls came out. In 1A, Anawan Weathersfield was ranked 6th. In 2A, Newman was 3rd, Fieldcrest 5th. In 3A, Princeton was 3rd, Byron was 8th as they were tied with Benton. 4A, Cole City was 6th, Kiwani 13th. 5A, Sterling 5th, Sycamore 7th, Morris 13th, and in 7A, DeKalb was 11th. Action that also took place on Tuesday, boys soccer. In a Little Ten Conference semifinal, Indian Creek knocked out Hinkley Big Rock 2-0. The baseball field, Sycamore defeated Burlington Central 2-0. Sycamore Burlington Central had it out in almost every sport on Tuesday, as in girls soccer, Burlington Central defeated Sycamore 2-0. Softball, Sycamore trying to defend their 3A state title that they won last year. However, lose the first game of the season to Burlington Central 4-2. Getting to some AMA Supercross on Tuesday, Chase Sexton, Lamoille native who is now residing in Florida, but keeping his Illinois fan base proud, finished second in the 450 taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. He was behind fellow teammate of the Honda HRC team, Ken Rosin. This is the second time that Chase Sexton has been on a 450 podium as this is his second year riding the 450. Congrats to him. He has been crushing it for quite a while and showing that he belongs on a bike. Where else would he go? He needs to be on the bike and he's doing big things. Wednesday, April 14th, on the pitch, Ottawa defeated Plano 7-2 in Interstate 8 action. Baseball. Hall's first game of the season, Putnam County's first game of the season. Hall takes it 5-0. Peyton Plim, two home runs. And on the mound, he also pitched no hits and three and two-thirds innings. Fantastic outing for Peyton. I know he hopes the rest of his season goes that way. Ottawa, 13, Pontiac, 3, and another baseball contest on Wednesday. For Thursday, April 15th. All kinds of volleyball happening. LP moved its record to 8-7 overall, 6-5 in the Interstate 8 Conference with a 25-22, 25-20 victory over Ottawa. Princeton got revenge on St. Bede with a 27-25, 26-24 win, obviously going to the wire. They're ready for that one, both squads. DeKalb defeated Wabonzi Valley in three sets. Sterling Knocked off Galesburg, 25-7, 25-9. Earlville defeated Flanagan. Indian Creek defeated Serena, 25-14, 25-17.
dropped the second set 25-21, and then picked up the third 25-19. Morris beat Rochelle 25-21, 25-20. Woo, that's a lot of volleyball. Gotta love it. Girl soccer, Burlington Central 3, DeKalb 1 on Thursday. Baseball, DeKalb defeated Indian Creek 11-1 in 5 innings. Softball, Sycamore dropped another one, falling 10-3 to Yorkville. Boys soccer action, in the Little 10 Conference Championship, Earlville 4, Indian Creek 1. Earlville winning the Little 10 Conference Championship Tournament. Again, it seems like they do it every year. I know they don't, but it just seems like it. Such a dominant, powerful program. Indian Creek's goal was scored by Drew Gatson, previously mentioned as a member of the IHSA All-State basketball team. Indian Creek finished the season 12-1-1. Streeter, 2, Piatone, nothing. Streeter still unbeaten at home as they sit 6-5-2 record-wise. Like I said, Friday, today, football action going on, but not for everybody. There has been another COVID, I'm not going to say surge, but COVID is still around, hasn't left, and it is affecting high school football as we speak. For the Big Northern Conference, Mendota, Rock Falls, Oregon, Rockford Lutheran, North Boone, and Genoa Kingston canceled this week and most of the season. Mendota's done for the season, Rock Falls is done for the season, Genoa Kingston is done for the season. The only games going on for the conference in this week, week five of the shortened season that's only going six anyway, Byron at Winnebago and Stillman Valley at Dixon. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, they survive. Because if not, there might not be a single big Northern Conference football game for week six, the final week of the season. The high school sports segment was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After an absolutely miserable 2020 in every sense of the term, Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to make 2021 the absolute best that it can with style, comfort, and great deals. Stop by and see the giant display, the many options of Ford Escapes. All kinds of them in stock, but the Ford Escapes are not just the only option. It's just a few at Shimmer Mendota Ford, as it has a huge selection of new and used vehicles on the lot and even more on the website, www.mendotaford.com. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, Manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranic, will use their expertise and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. Lots of national stuff want to talk about real quick. Before we get to Nick Myers talking about some soccer, we talk wrestling, we talk all kinds of awesomeness. Steph Curry passes Wilt Chamberlain for all-time scoring for the Warriors franchise. I would say Golden State. It is Golden State. Could say San Francisco, because it was. Could say Philadelphia, because it was. The Warriors have moved around for quite a while, like many, many, many years. But they reside in Golden State at the moment. So Golden State Warriors... Curry is now the all-time scoring list. He reached it on Monday, April 12th. He now has 17,893 points. That's of Friday the 16th. 
passes Will Chamberlain, who had 17,783 points with the Warriors. However, he did it in six seasons, from 1959 to 1965. It took Steph Curry 12 seasons, 2009 to 2021, to pass up Wilt the Still. Wilt, his point per game averages per season, just check them out, are ridiculous. Like 50, 49.6, 39.7, and he did it year in, year out. Insane. But congratulations to Curry. It is always fun watching him to play different era of ball, shooting threes, lights out. He is killing it this year. The Nets are on fire. Julian Edelman, wide receiver for the New England Patriots, is calling it quits. Retired. The Patriots let him go, but they let him go because his body, it's, it's done. His body's telling him, okay, it's over. So he retires. The man is going out with a great career. I would not be surprised if he's Hall of Fame bound. Three Super Bowls. Super Bowl MVP in 2018. Postseason-wise, 118 receptions, 1,442 yards. That is second only to somebody you may know named Jerry Rice. The man who is the best wide receiver of all time. For his entire career, Edelman, 41 career touchdowns off 620 receptions, 6,822 yards. Sounds Hall of Fame worthy to me. Zach Levine is going to miss games for the Chicago Bulls health safety protocol, a.k.a. COVID-19. This is happening all across the world, not just Illinois high school sports, not just Chicago Bulls. Don't know if it's going to go away. Just hope that we can keep life progressing, keep playing games. NBA announced that it is expecting to be back to full capacity next season. They're tired of this too. They want everybody in the stands. They want their money. They want their fans. They want the team support. They're saying it's expected we're going to have everybody back. It's not easy to get rid of this COVID-19 thing. We are proving that. It's been over a year now. It was a year in March, so we're over a year, year and a month, 13 months. But it's not the only thing that's not easy. It's not easy to get in shape or to stay physically fit. There are factors working against all of us, including we'll throw in COVID-19, time and work schedules, Lack of a support system. Maybe motivation is low. Don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body. Injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Prue Mall across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time, not one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. A support group? LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation? The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements including bodyweight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided or pushed at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. You want to go hard? It's a low. How are you? Go get at it. Want a more relaxed approach? You'll receive the same welcoming. Hello. How are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. 
LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Had to throw a quick ad from one of our amazing local sponsors before we got to some more national stuff. Deshaun Watson, quarterback from Houston Texans, is going through some things, isn't he? Nike pulled his deal from this sexual assault allegation that is going on. He's going to court. He's trying to pull quick jury trials to have these people ID'd and notice who is actually making these allegations saying, hey, this couldn't have happened, this isn't right, things like that. Who knows, who knows, who knows. If you're on this level of athlete, stick to yourself, stay loyal if you got a girlfriend, stay loyal if you got a wife, otherwise this will happen. Happens to a lot of them, whether they did it or not. I'm not saying who's guilty, I'm not saying who's innocent, but keep yourself to yourself and you would not have to be going through any of this. This is the one conversation where I can say I would take Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson, who were in the same draft in this situation. Making some power moves, Alex Rodriguez, former MLB player, played with the Yankees, the Seattle Mariners. He is in a purchasing group, a partnership, to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves, an NBA franchise. Maybe he's just doing this to offset what is going on in his personal life as him and Jennifer Lopez have broken up. J-Lo, hit me up. I'm cool with that. Hit me up. Also trying to buy some ownership in an NBA franchise, Dwayne Wade, former player for Miami Heat. Let's face it, everybody knows who Dwayne Wade is and Alex Rodriguez. But anyway, he wants to buy ownership in the Utah Jazz and try to make a difference in keeping the Utah Jazz a popular, exciting franchise. Moving to some baseball stuff. Bryce Harper and Freddie Freeman, hats off to them. The Philadelphia Phillies players gave a fan a baseball, signed by both of them, after the same fan gave a young kid a home run ball the previous game. So he bit that bullet. He felt that phony feeling in his stomach where he's like, man, I want this ball. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up. But he did. He gave it to a kid. So to honor that, to show respect, Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, sign a ball, give it to the fan. That is amazing. Congrats to them. Good stuff for the fan, being a real fan and being awarded for it. Former Pittsburgh Steelers, back to football. James Conner signs a one-year deal with Arizona Cardinals. Really don't care about this because I think James Conner's career is over. The last two years, injuries everywhere. He looks like a shell of himself. Running back, shelf life in the NFL is not long. I think his is over. Not saying his life is over. He can do many, many things. But football-wise, sorry, James. think it's time to hang up the cleats. A basketball player that is hanging up the shoes, the sneaks, a little early this year, Jamal Murray, point guard for the Denver Nuggets, tore his ACL. He is out for the season. That is a huge blow to a team that could be, should be in the NBA Finals this year. They're not going to be, though. They are definitely not going to be. They are not going to be duking it out with the Lakers and the Clippers and the other good teams in the West. They can't without Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic, great, great center, amazing talent. He can't do it by himself. Back to football. I'm just jumping around. Saw some things, took some notes, jotted it down. I didn't put it in any order today. Defensive end Alden Smith signed a one-year deal with 
the Seattle Seahawks NFL-wise. This dude has jumped around, and there's good reason. 2011-14 was with San Francisco, the team that drafted him. 16-19, four seasons suspended. Multiple reasons. Substance abuse. Three DUIs. Domestic violence. Just kept adding and adding and adding. NFL's like, hey, man, we don't want you here. Comes back 2020, plays with the Dallas Cowboys. He started 10 games, had 22 tackles. The dude is a physical monster. He's big, he's strong, knows how to play the game. Something in his head doesn't click right. If he can keep those clickings clicking, he'll be okay. If not, get him out of the league and keep him out of the league. LaMarcus Aldridge leaving the NBA for a different reason, health-wise. Irregular heartbeat taking him out of the game after 16 seasons. He's a seven-time All-Star, averaging 19.4 points and 8.2 rebounds a game. I have been a huge fan of LaMarcus Aldridge, except the last episode where I was knocking him for going with the Brooklyn Nets because he's just trying to be a member of a super team with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, just trying to be a member of this team that he thought was going to win an NBA championship. Sorry, it's sad to hear that he's not going to be playing basketball anymore. I loved his game. When he went to the San Antonio Spurs from the Portland Trailblazers, I was crazy excited because he was like the heir apparent to Tim Duncan. Didn't really work out that way. Didn't see eye to eye with Greg Popovich or the Spurs organization, which sounds crazy because that's the organization you want to play for. But it didn't work out. He left, went to Brooklyn. Now he's going to leave the NBA in general. Thank you for playing some awesome basketball. It has been amazing watching you play. It's going to be weird not seeing you there because you are a great talent. And going to end the intro with this, Michael Jordan is going to induct Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. Who else? Who else would do it? Kobe Bryant's entire career and after his career was put on one measuring stick. And his name was Michael Jordan. Is Michael Jordan. Every single thing that Kobe Bryant did was compared to Michael Jordan. And he is the closest to actually get there. After all the other players that had come out, Grant Hill, Jerry Stackhouse, Vince Carter, all of them were compared to Michael Jordan and how they were the next heir apparent. It didn't work out that way. There was one guy that was sort of the next, didn't quite get there, but he made valid efforts, was Kobe Bryant. And in the process, put himself in his own realm. Kobe Bryant doesn't have to look up to Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant set his own stage, his own face in basketball. Mount Rushmore, the basketball fame of awesomeness. He's there. Kobe Bryant is there. Put him in the Hall of Fame right away. Michael Jordan, the one to induct him. Well played. Well done. Rest in peace, Kobe. This is a smart move on all parties size. Like, good job from all parties. This is awesome. It is spring. We're in April, the middle of it. Let's get some home renovations done, right? Let's watch some baseball. Let's sit on a patio and drink a nice tea. Watch the kids play some baseball or some kickball. There's only one place that you want to call to do these things, to make it so comfortable. That's Olson Construction. Olson Construction works hard to make your place of residence, where you live, the best for you. Brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations. From start to finish, with your thoughts and opinions, 
taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. Olsa Construction can do it all. For a free estimate, call Olsa Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsa Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsaconstruction19 at gmail.com. Well, that's the intro. We got a great conversation with Nick Myers sitting here waiting for you to listen to. Let's get to it. Let's just get to it. The next episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast will have We The Least, a band from Mendota, Illinois, that gets down, play some amazing music. They can all sing, guitars, drums. They do it all. They're great. They're fantastic. I went to their studio where they perform, where they practice, where they do everything musically, and it was a great time. Come back. Check out the next episode, so episode 165 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, to hear that. Well, here's Nick. You have a great Friday night, Saturday morning, whatever it is right now as you're listening to this. But until next time, peace. You know, this isn't a question every day that I ask a soccer coach, a.k.a. Nick Myers from Mendota Trojans, but you a Sox or a Cubs fan? Sox fan, actually. I mean, truthfully, out of all sports, baseball is probably like the one I follow the least, and I, I always agree. I'm just kind of being a Mariners fan with Ken Griffey and A-Rod and that era, but no, if I had to pick a Chicago team, it's, it's White Sox for sure. I love your answer, because right now, <laughs> as we speak, we're in the top of the ninth against the Cleveland Indians, and Carlos Rodon has got a no-hitter going. He's got two strikes on Jake Naylor. And he could have a no-hitter going on right here while we're doing this conversation. That's fantastic. Which would be pretty sweet. Real quick, did I say his name right? Is it Jake Naylor? I believe so. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. And actually, Rondon, didn't he just get, like, re-picked up by the Sox, too? Like, he wasn't even, like, for sure thing to be on the team, was he? Correct. He wasn't. And then they're like, eh, oh, we don't have anybody better. It's kind of what they did. Not really, but kind of. And here he is. In the top of the ninth, about to get a no-hitter, and it's Josh Naylor, not Jake. Josh, and he just, I believe he just, he's out with two, so he's moving his two minutes away. Yeah. Oh, snap. <laughs> but today being Wednesday, April 14th, just had big Northern Conference tournament for boys soccer. Had a semifinal today. Number two, Mendota against number three, Rockford Christian. The Trojans had defeated them, what was it, 4-3 with penalty kicks earlier in the season? Yep, correct. So actually it's been nail-biters the last three times we've played now because last season we beat them 2-1 to one in overtime as well. So it's, it's been three back-and-forth close games. Then we come in today's game, big Northern tournament. Not a lot to play for in this weird COVID-19 season that we're all dealing with. Get to the tournament. You guys were... I don't even know if you're a favorite, because like you said, this has been such a close matchup, but you guys fall 2-1, kind of had to be tough for you as a coach. Tough game, I mean, it's one of those games too, like as a coach, like it's kind of, I mean, it was really hard to be upset in a way, because it was just a well-played game by both teams, 
you know, it was back and forth action. I really wasn't too, nothing I could be really too upset about. But yeah, I mean, tough way to, obviously it's not the complete end of our season. We'll play Genoa Kingston now on, on Friday in the third place game. But, you know, never the, never the game you want to be in. Always want to be in the championship game. I mean, that's what, that was our goal for this little mini season because it's pretty much the only thing we had to play for was the conference tournament. So tough loss and, you know, but again, I, I thought we played well and kudos to Rockford Christian. I, I thought they played an excellent game also. And it's just kind of been the thing. The last three times we've played, it's been three nail-biting games that come down to the wire every time. So exciting if you're watching the game, but not always as exciting if you're coaching or playing in it when it's, when it's that close. Oh, Rodone hit a guy with a pitch. Yeah. I just saw that as I was as I was talking to you here. Roberto Perez gets beamed and takes first base. So that ruins his perfect game, right? That ruins the perfect game. A no hitter, I I believe that would still be intact though. Man. <laughs> non nothing, nothing, Nothing's going our way tonight. No, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yeah, I know I kept saying a no-hitter, but there was a perfect game at stake here, too. Well, that's over. Oh, well. Oh, well. Back to the real world oh, well. here. We're talking soccer, my friend. Against Rockford Christian, it just seemed like the offense couldn't get going. Rockford Christian's defense, especially after, I'm going to say, probably like 20 minutes in the first half, got really physical and was in the Trojans' face all day. Absolutely. I was actually very pleased and was kind of surprised we were not able to punch one in of the first 10 to 15 minutes because I, I think out of between the two teams, I think we came out more fired up and, and we were attacking and we were, we were beating over the ball. But then, yeah, like you said, I mean, after about the 20-minute mark, Rockford Christian got real physical with us. We really had no answer for that up front. We've had a few games this year where we've had a tendency to just kind of, we like to get the ball up to Yair Diaz and then some of the guys will have a tendency to just Basically, let's just see what Yair can do. Hopefully, Yair can save us. And a couple games we've done that where we haven't really attacked in numbers. We've we've obviously struggled to score. And, you know, like I said, kudos to Rockford Christian. I, I thought they played a great game. We had moments. We Tonight was one of those nights we definitely, we, I thought we possessed the ball well. But we we struggled in the final third to capitalize on, on scoring chances. And there, there wasn't really a whole lot of scoring chances to be had, to be honest with you. So you guys get the first goal of the game. I think a little, it was around, uh, I think there was 19 something left, so like 21 minute mark somewhere around there. I didn't look to see what the official time was. Do you got that with you? I don't, but I think you're very accurate. I, I think when, when we got the PK, I think there was right at about 20 minutes or maybe just a hair over 20 minutes to go in the first half. So Yahir gets a penalty kick like you just alluded to, which was kind of crazy. I don't, who was the Mendota player that was involved with the... Rockford Christian guy who had a cast on his arm, which I didn't even know was legal, and they like yeah, tagged yeah, each other almost into the end zone, like the side of the goal, because you guys play on a football field, and it was like they tackled each other, but Mendota gets the call. Yeah, I'm never going to argue when it's in our favor, but I, I was a little surprised that it was a PK call. Um, but clearly, I mean, both guys were being physical with each other. And if I had to guess, I would assume it was because the, the Rockford Christian player kind of took Yahir's legs out from underneath him with the way they kind of went into each other. I and mean, it was Yahir, and he drew, the, he drew the penalty as well. On top of taking it, he was the, he was the kid with the Rockford Christian guy that both got tangled up in the box together. But I know the Rockford Christian coach got a little worked up over the call. He was given a caution, but uh, and yeah, here like he's done all year. He has never missed a PK for us this year, and pretty much automatic when he steps up to take those. 
So then because of the call and the goal, the Rockford Christian coach gets a yellow card, and I believe that was what kind of lit a fire up under the team. I feel like as soon as that yellow card came, they got a couple more levels of more aggressive and just balled out for pretty much the rest of the game. Absolutely. So that was the exact thought that went through my head, actually, when he got the yellow card was, this is going to fire up the Christian kids um, even more than they kind of already were. They got really chippy with us when we played them two weeks ago as well. I know I was talking to their coach after the game two weeks ago. He had mentioned that in, in defeat, that that was the best game they had played all year, that his kids really wanted to, really wanted revenge on Mendota from us beating them last year in OT. So, and we talked about that going into today's game, too, that you know they were going to come in definitely fired up to play us after losing two games in a row to us in overtime. And I believe up until last year, I think the conference had been won by Rockford Christian for a couple of years in a row. They had a pretty dominant run, and then we were able to overtake them last year. So I think there was a little bit of bad blood coming into the game. I think Christian... You know, and then, like you said, they were they were they were very physical with us. Definitely a bigger team than us, which is never an excuse. I we definitely work on being physical and not backing off from anybody. But yeah, they wanted it. And not only were they physical, you did say the word chippy. I mean, I saw a couple of straight like pushes. I saw arms extended, <laughs> hands wide open, pushing people as we're going. Then they had a I was I think his number was number seven. He scores yes. a goal. And he's jawing with the fans. He's jawing with the ref. Then when he scores, well, this was before he scored. Then he scores a goal and is like flexing his arms and looking at the Mendota crowd, kind of like throwing it in their face. Yeah, like I said, the last time we played them a couple weeks ago, it was kind of very similar. I mean, just, and it's not that they're not sportsman-like kids, but yeah, they they tend, they have a tendency to go just a little bit overboard. And, and, and that's one thing I did make sure I told our guys after the game was over was I wanted them to watch and pay attention to the way Christian kind of celebrated like they kind of just won the World Cup <laughs> on our field by beating us. But yeah, they very chippy, a little mouthy towards the fans, towards I mean, towards towards our guys, which I'm sure it's 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 competitive sports. I'm sure both teams are talking a little trash to each other out on the field. But I will say their coach is a very respectful coach, very nice guy. Um, so I'm sure a lot of it's just kids being hotheads and letting emotions get the best of them. I mean, that can't be true. High school kids being hotheads? No. <laughs> yeah, never. That, that never happens. They never make bad decisions or anything. Especially not playing the game of soccer. Never, never that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you'll never, you'll never in a high school soccer game see any, any dirty plays or anything like that. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> never. Actually, I kind of look, not look forward to it, but, you know, in this kind of, art society is kind of going soft. Hey, let's just be honest, like it is. So when I yep. watch a good soccer game and we got physical team out there, I actually like watching it. Yes, yes. And you know, it, it's it's surprising. And I, I, these are the type of games I wish people that are still a little unfamiliar with the sport and, or maybe haven't watched it too much would come out and watch because, I mean, yeah, you, you definitely can get some boring soccer games. I mean, I even find myself falling asleep watching it on TV sometimes, but... You know, if you get a game like this where both teams kind of, there's a little animosity between both sides and it's a physical game, like, it, it can be exciting. I definitely agree. And this was exciting, even though, you know, Mendota fell short a little bit. It was fun to watch, and especially, you know, we talked about Rockford Christian getting a spark under them. So Rockford Christian takes the lead with, I think there was eight something left on the clock, almost nine minutes. And yep. you saw 
that spark go with you guys just couldn't produce a a score but you guys were right there continuously trying to fight and you saw the kids like all right we're running out of time now yep yeah i think it, it hit home to them when they got down there with nine minutes left like you know hey we gotta you know we gotta step it up a little bit but that's one thing i've really enjoyed about coaching this group is like when they get down they keep their composure and it, it's not a big deal to them and they're aware and they understand like hey we, you know we've done this before we've come back before i mean last year we came back on Christian to beat them in overtime. We came back on Dixon to beat them in overtime. And then we came back on Depew down 2-0 in the regional championship to beat them. So they're a great group in that, like, they don't really let themselves get rattled when they get down. And then they normally, we rise up to the big occasions, to the big games. And this is kind of the first big game that I, since I've had this group, that we've, we've failed to, you know, to win. So I'm hoping that we, we take this as a really good learning moment because we've been having a tendency to always, we come up on the, the right end of the of the game and big games. And this is the first time we're sitting here, sitting here feeling what it feels like when you, when you come up on the losing end of those close games. But the good thing for you is this group is pretty young, isn't it? Yeah, so I, COVID's kind of, I mean, COVID's obviously wrecked everything, but it was really a bummer when COVID kind of wrecked us getting a postseason, because we were kind of optimistic maybe we'd even get a postseason this spring. That's obviously not happening. We're a young team, I don't have any seniors, and I have six, six juniors, so I mean, I start a good amount of sophomores too, and then I've got, you know, and it's a good thing to have as a coach, but I'm sure it's a bad thing for players, but we've got a good chunk of freshmen too that are they're talented it's just we have depth and and then this season with it, a lot of teams not having high numbers of kids we didn't have a whole lot of jv games so playing time was scarce for them a little bit they're getting better every day at practice and the great thing is that the competition that they're practicing against is some of the top players they would be playing against anyway so we'll have definitely have a nice solid squad with a lot of depth going into this fall where hopefully we can get we can get another run at, at going to a sectional the last five or six years, Mendota soccer has kind of turned into like a soccer factory. Yeah, it's actually been really nice to see for you know for somebody who you know, played it my whole life and played it all four years in Mendota, and we had some success my senior year, and then coaching it before too. I always always want to see Mendota do well, but yeah, Mendota. Um, let me think here. They've they've won a regional three out of the last four years. And then if we win again this fall, it'll be three. We'll repeat. It'll be three in a row. So it's been no sectional yet. We're, we're still as a school. We're still chasing that first ever sectional title. We've been to sectional championship twice. You were in my senior year, and then two years ago, Mendota lost to Earlville in the sectional final when Jason Hartman was still coaching Mendota. And that was tough for me because I was I was with the local paper, and you know I'm an alum. You and I graduated 2004 from Mendota, but I'd kind of grown to love Earlville Leland soccer. Well, it was Earlville Leland at the time. I've grown to love it because, you know, covering it for the local paper, I was at all the big games and got to know Coach Larry Hyden pretty well and stuff like that. And that was such a heartbreaker for me just because of, like, I wanted them to win, but then, you know, I can't be, you know, crazy biased because this other team is really good also. That was a great match, though, a great game to watch. It was, and I, I was in a similar boat as you as well because I was at the game, but it was I had just got done working as the athletic director over at Earlville 
right before that fall season. So the year prior, I was the assistant coach there with, with Larry Hyden. So I knew and worked with all the Earlville kids, and I wasn't too familiar with very many of the Mendota kids at the time. So yeah, that was a tough game for me as well, obviously being an alum from Mendota, but having just got done coaching all the Earlville kids and being very familiar with the Earlville kids, that was, uh, that was a hard game to cheer for. Definitely. And I knew you were in that position. I was hoping you were going to bring that up because I remember going to a couple of Earlville games and seeing you on the sideline. We just sit there, chill and watch some Earlville soccer. So, yeah, being Mendota boys, but seeing this other team that we both, you know, had some feelings for we're like, oh, man, how's this going to go? And then, you know, Earlville comes out on top. You mentioned the success that Mendota had when you were there. You were a co-player of the year with Juan Rodriguez during your senior year. How do you try to like... You know, that work ethic, that mentality that you had when you were a soccer player, how do you try to share that with your team, especially in moments like this? I mean, they lose a game that they wanted to win, obviously, because the goal was to be conference champions. Now they can't in this tournament. What do you kind of teach them or like show them from, you know, your past, your history of how to get over this and be a better team, a better player? I think the main thing is because it was kind of taught to me when I played too, and just from like just following sports in general, like you can follow professional athletes and find things out about and stuff like that but one thing I always tell our teams is you know a lot there's sometimes obviously a lot of you know losing sucks but a lot of times you actually learn the most from a loss and that was the first thing we talked about today after the game was you know obviously playing Friday for third place that's not that that wasn't what we wanted to do and it's going to be hard to get to get amped up for that game but I mean you you take this loss and you learn from it like you don't you don't put your head down and it's it's what you know season not over next season's not over because we didn't capitalize on winning conference this year like the goals don't change we want to be regional champs and sectional champs next year so we we take this game and we learn from it like we learn how to get better one thing i always tell the the, the boys and it'll be the same thing i tell the girls too like you have to find ways to motivate you like ways so hopefully this will be a way to motivate us going into summer to get in the weight room and get stronger get faster get better keep improving and that's one nice thing about this group is when we have non, like when we have just volunteer stuff in the summer where they, it's not mandatory for them to show up, the whole team shows up. So we, when we use our contact days in the summer, we're, we're basically getting full practice in essentially because like they're dedicated and I don't really even have to say a whole lot to them most of the time, honestly. They're a really dedicated group. They want to get better. I mean, we've had sessions in the weight room with over 20 guys. It's great. I really love coaching this group. They're so coachable and then it's, it's also easy for me too then to kind of fire them up and motivate them as well. That's fantastic because there's football teams that can't get 20 guys in the weight room. And I do. I, I brag about it a little bit to other people. But, yeah, I mean, we get most of our weight room sessions are anywhere from 15 to 20 guys. And, and, and you know, and it's not just 15 to 20 guys joking around and, and maybe doing one lift or, you know, one set of halls running and the rest of the time's just joking. Like when they're there, they're working and, and just to see how, I mean, well, they're short guys, don't get me wrong, our, our soccer team's not the tallest team out there, but they're getting stronger, they're physically getting bigger, they're, and they're getting stronger, we don't get pushed off the ball as much this year, and being a young team, that's another thing I'm stressed, is we've got to get in the way your own. We're young, and like we're talented, but we're not we're not physically strong compared to some of the other teams, so we got to get in the way your own. And seeing like just the progress that guys like Manny, who's our, who's our keeper now, who last year was the backup, like he, I mean, he worked his tail off last year over the summer and then in the fall too and he got in the weight room he lost a lot of weight he's got stronger and he not only earned the starting keeper spot but he earned was being one of our captains this year also just i mean just the ideal kid to mimic 
if you're if you were a freshman, like watch Molly puts the hard work in, like that's what you guys have to do also. What's Manny's last name? Trejo. T R E J O. So Manny Trejo, it's kind of ris- risky. Like he, he did a couple runouts that I'm like, oh man, if he's a second slower, a half a second slower, that Rockford Christian dude is gonna boot that ball right past him. But he ran out, grabbed it, he was diving, all kinds of stuff to make sure that that ball didn't get past him. Yeah, he's been huge for us this year, and the whole entire team trusts him. And they also have seen the work he's put in to not only get better as a as a goalie in soccer, but also just to get bigger, faster, and stronger. I mean, he when the field players are doing conditioning and running, Manny does it also. Even though you know he's a keeper, and they don't really have to necessarily do as much running, he's up there. He's competing. He wants to finish first. He not only works out with the team, but then he goes to the Y here in town and he works out five days a week. I mean, he just put in an insane amount of work to, to get better. And, and I really give him a lot of credit. So last year as a sophomore, he was the backup goalie to Yanni. Manny was probably, arguably, right up there with Yanni on a talent level, like maybe just as good. But we were obviously rolling with with Yanni and Cole, so there was no need to switch it. But I use Manny to as a demonstration to a lot of our freshmen. Like, here's a guy that last year didn't get barely any playing time at all, but Randy didn't give up and quit and try out for something else or, you know, stop caring. He decided to work even harder. And before Yanni decided not to come out for soccer this year, I mean, Manny, Manny outworked him in the summer and it was going to make it very difficult for me to, to not play, to not put Manny in the goal. Just a kid, just a high school kid, this is like an example that I love the years of, you know, somebody who things didn't go his way and, and rather than quitting and giving up, like he decided to work harder and, and basically make it impossible for the coach not to play him. And that's what you got to do. That is what you got to do to get your spot, get your time and to make your team need and want you on that field. Yep, exactly. One more takeaway from this game. I was watching you from the press box with the athletic director, Steve Hansen, and Gary Barrera, who has many hats at Mendota through the year, so I'm not even going to name him off. I, I know he's a teacher still. He does everything from Mendota High School. So Gary Barrera, Steve Hansen, I was chatting with them during the game. We're looking over at you, and I'm like, has Nick even moved? So you're standing in one spot. I saw you move your hands a couple of times as you're talking to kids, and I'm like, he's the most laid-back coach I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, I, 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 I wasn't. My first go-around as a coach, I was a little more active, um, quite a bit of, it was never never negative yelling, but just a lot of encouraging yelling and, and just trying to fire up and motivate the team. And, and I'm, honestly, this time around, I've been more like, you know, we talk about what we need to do in practice and we, we go over the tactics and everything like that. And then I, I don't know, just now I've, I try to learn and progress as a coach too. And, and now I just prefer to just kind of coach and just like let the players play. Like what, everything they know, they're going to learn at practice and then put it all together in a game. And, and obviously, yeah, there's moments where I'll, you know, try to fire them up or try to help correct them as we go on the field. But for the most part, it's, you know, I put the trust in them to figure things out and, and get everything accomplished on the field that they need to. Um, and I think the kids kind of, like, they like that and I think they respond to that. And yeah, things are pretty laid back. I always try not to get too excited so that that way maybe my, the kids don't either. Like they stay composed. 
I think if they see their coach composed and keeping things under control when games are close or we fall behind, I think that helps them on the field also stay under control as well. And, and yeah, practices for the most part, too. It's a little bit more of a laid-back atmosphere. Um, you know, when the time comes, if there's some goofing around, we, we put a stop to it. But uh, for the most part, it's kind of laid back and joke around a little bit with the kids. And, you know, it, it keeps them having fun as well. And then it makes them want to work hard for you if they if they know they can have a little bit of fun with you, but they also have that respect factor for you as well. Definitely. And that's one of those things like, all right, if you're yelling and you're crazy on the sidelines, then the fans are saying something about that. Oh, you're too crazy. You're too loud. And then if you're not saying anything and you're just standing there and, you know, you did your coaching during practices or you're, you know, talking to them, but maybe not so loud so everybody can hear you, then you're not being loud enough. You're not being crazy enough. It's one of those things like there's never a happy medium. So just do what works for you and your team. Yep, exactly, um, and that's one thing I've kind of learned too. Is you know, in the, in the crazy world of sports, you're you know, you're never going to please everybody. Um, there's going to be games that the the fans and the parents maybe think you probably should have done something different, or they would have done this, or they would have done that. But even in wins, you're you're never going to please everybody. Somebody's going to be unhappy about so and so didn't get to play, or this or that. So you know, I just don't even really worry about that, and we just take care of business that we have to on the field and go from there. Definitely. I know coaches. There's one coach in mind. One, I'm going to say seven out of ten regionals in a decade. And there was parents continuously bashing him about not being a good coach and being, you know, whatever this way, whatever that way. And all they did was win. Even the years that they didn't win regionals, I think two of them, they still went to regional championships, things like that, and just got bashed by this group of parents just because, you know, they didn't play this kid or didn't do that. So you're right. You're never going to make everybody happy, even if you're winning. It just, you do what you can, try to be the best for the kids, try to make sure they have fun. This is a high school sport that should be the number one priority and then go from there. Yep. Yep. I always figure as long as as long as the kids I'm coaching respect me and and don't hate my guts, and, and then I feel like I'm doing my job. Perfect. Perfect. Got a White Sox update about ten minutes ago. White Sox win eight nothing. Carlos Rodon with the no 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 hitter didn't get the perfect game because he beamed the second to last batter, but he does get the no no. That's crazy with the eight nothing win over Cleveland. Good for the Sox. I mean they. Very promising season, it looks like, coming up here. Obviously, the, the loss of uh, Jimenez hurts a little bit, but they uh, they should be contenders. Definitely. I know, when I heard Eloy was out, I'm like, no! He's got like five, six months, and I'm like, oh, geez, that's no good. But there's still so much talent. I mean, you bring back Jose Abreu, reigning AL MVP. You have crazy talent up and down the roster on both ends whether you're pitching or batting you know that's a huge sign for white Sox baseball definitely so with you know this game unfortunately a loss you got the third place game against genoa kingston on friday is that the end of the season there is there anything after the tournament that's it fridays it's been a very short and quick uh, boys season, and but it's, I'm I'm glad we've got to have something. I know when they when they canceled fall, I was pretty skeptical we'd even get to play at all. I know the kids are a little down that we don't, you know, they didn't get a full season, they didn't get a postseason, but any games are better than no games. So yeah, Friday Friday will be it for us for boys, and we've actually I've already started girls soccer practice this week. We started we have our first girls game next week already, so it's been it's been crazy. 
The good thing is, is you don't have any seniors, so they still get another go and a chance or a hope for a full season. That's been the focus all season. I mean, we, we've stayed focused on this spring season. The whole goal has been to kind of just use this spring season to get, get us some more games. And, you know, we've worked on a couple different formations, and it's been nice that we've got the, the freshmen have at least got to experience some varsity-level games. None of them got in tonight, unfortunately, um, but most of them have got to play in every game. So we've got a little experience on our belt with the freshmen, and we got the whole crew back again in the fall. And, and obviously, the, you know, there, there's promising signs of baseball, softball, and girls soccer getting a postseason this spring. I'm assuming as long as that goes well, I, I would imagine we're getting full season. And football and volleyball and soccer will have state playoffs in the, in the fall. Definitely, definitely. And it was crazy because both at the game, but the wind in Mendota was so brutal, so nasty tonight. I was kind of, you know, impressed with the way that the players were playing. I don't know if you've heard stuff, you know, from your players. I'm sure, I mean, they're high school kids and brutal wind. But watching everybody on the field, like everybody was just playing the game. Nobody was like worrying about how cold it was or the wind or anything. But afterwards, I'm like, okay, I'm an old man. (laughs) <laughs> and it's cold and it's windy and I wouldn't have been able to hear you anyway so I was like hey I'll go home and call him but uh yeah man that wind just so brutal so there has not been a game we've had yet this spring that it has not been that windy if not windier and we've had multiple games on top of that wind it's been raining it truly has been just kind of miserable um weather wise but kudos to the kids they and I think every team's just got to that point where it's kind of like just expected now you're going to show up for us for a sports even football i mean i feel bad for them down there some days too it's just it's so windy i mean the field goal posts are even just rocking down there some days it's incredible but yeah so if anything that we've gained out of this season too is we, we've learned how to play in the wind so we'll be ready for any weather conditions in the fall but yeah it's the kids don't even complain and i think a good chunk of big reason of that too is because they're just they're just happy to be playing so but yeah sitting on the bench or standing on the sidelines or yeah sitting up in the bleachers i mean that's been zero fun this year (laughs) and when i text you i was like man i gotta give you a call later was at the game need to chat with you you were already practicing with the girls so you left straight from the boys game to go practice with the girls yeah, so we started Monday, so Monday night after our, our opening round game against Byron, and then tonight after Christian, yeah, so the girls, they were in the stands, they they come and watch the boys game, and then yeah, once both teams clear out, then the girls come on the field, and we, we had practice till about 7.30, <laughs> and it was, so the girls obviously had already been sitting outside too, so I couldn't really play the card of hey i've been sitting out here longer than you guys but yeah so it was also miserable weather conditions for girls practice also and then by that time the sun's starting to go down so not only is it windy now it's starting to get colder because the sun's not now it's freezing (laughs) (laughs) uh the life of soccer did you think you were going to get away from this because usually the falls kind of nice weather but then you get in the spring and of course you know usually this is when the girls soccer is is starting to happen anyway in a couple weeks it's probably going to be way warmer but now you're getting what usually is the very beginning of the girls season yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I personally knew what we what I was getting into weather-wise, um, but it, it has been a little bit of an adjustment uh, for the boys. They're used to the uh, 90 and 95 degree days, and it's humid, and you're just dripping in sweat, and, and now instead of that, they're getting the complete other extreme of 35 degrees and, and windy and, and raining as well. Exactly. But, so the girls will get a little bit of a 
hopefully the girls might actually get a little bit of a warmer season per se as we're going to actually play a little bit later than what we normally do. Yeah, and that's been a weird dynamic too is just the, the shakeup of how COVID-19, how we held or pushed things and stuff like that in terms of sports schedules. So usually the boys are fall, like the beginning of the school year, so late August, early September, then the girls will play, you know, early March usually starts like the end of the first week or is it the second week, the second week of March? Usually like contests start about the second week in March. I think it's usually the very beginning of March. We usually get going with practices, but yeah, and you and usually like with girls soccer and then obviously with baseball and softball too, you're usually your first week you're you're inside because it's still so cold and there's usually snow on the ground. And actually our first boys soccer game this year that was supposed to be against Dixon got cancelled because we literally had like that week of like sixty degree weather. It, it was beautiful. And then we were supposed to play Dixon on a Tuesday, and we got that random, like, two inches of snow on that Monday, so we couldn't even play on Tuesday because the turf still had some snow on it. The worst sports season for me was always spring when it came to going to cover stuff for papers or for radio stations. I will always remember Hall baseball because it seemed like the beginning of the season I was always covering Hall and it's raining, it's miserable, it's like 25 degrees and they're supposed to be playing baseball. I think I'd seen sleet one time. It is sleeting and we're playing baseball. I'm like, what are we doing? Let's go home, get some hot chocolate, come back in a week or so when it's not like this. Yes, the spring seasons are always, uh, the weather's terrible, and then I can remember, too, from being uh, the athletic director at Earlover for two years, I, I feel sorry for any athletic director, too, because it is such a pain with, with the constant rescheduling and canceling of baseball, softball, any outdoor sport, and it, and even the media, like, you guys never know, like, is the game still being played, is it canceled, like, it's, it's, it's terrible. It is, but that is one reason... I love Twitter. Like, I like Twitter a lot. I actually prefer Twitter <laughs> over Facebook. But just those Same. few little words, game postponed, game moved, whatever. I love that athletic directors and coaches have started using this as kind of like a timeline to help not only us, but fans and players and other coaches as well. I mean, social media has its pros and cons, obviously. But, yeah, I think the one great thing about Twitter is I think it's really helped just everybody involved with high school sports out because, you know, now, you know, before you always had to call all the players or call all the parents. And, and now, yeah, I mean, you can just post it on Twitter real quick, 10, 15 seconds, and gets that communication out there. It's it's actually kind of been great. And, and like you said, yeah, almost every sport now or every coach is, is utilizing it. It's nice. It keeps you up to date. Well, Nick... Being that we were, I guess, young teenagers, what, 13 in like 1998, somewhere around there? Where Something like that. Wrestling had its huge boom called the Attitude Era. We both grew up in that. I know we were both wrestling fans. We've talked about it before. There was just this little event this past weekend. You know, this thing people may have heard of called the WrestleMania was this last weekend, just a few days ago. Actually, it's a two-day event now. That's how big this thing has gotten. I know I called it little. Yes. That was me trying to be, you know, ironic or sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but WrestleMania 37, man. So let's let's play a game. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast plays a game. Let's do your top five wrestlers of all time. Let's start with five. Work your way up to the top. So let's start at five and go to one. Okay. We'll start. Uh... 
five because I, I have to include him um, even though he was more WCW than, than WWE they're going to attitude era for a little bit but you got to throw like Ric Flair in there he's a legend he's got to be in my in my top five favorites of all time I mean 16 time world champ and and as he got older too, just kind of you know, kind of became a little funny in a way too as well with the antics he would throw out in the ring. Like he was always, he'd always crack me up and was must see TV. Throwing off his jacket and then his pants and his clothes and, oh, and then the, doing the, elbows, flops on the mat. I mean, you can't beat him. No, just doing random <laughs> flops and elbows on the mat, and there's nobody there. There's nothing there. It was weird, but it was hilarious at the same time. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I always had a little soft spot for Bret Hart. As I got older, I, I appreciated him even more because, I mean, obviously it's entertainment, but there, it's it's a work as well. And I, I think Bret Hart was one of the best actual, like, legitimate wrestlers and perfected his craft. Go on, go on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was trying to think of something to say, but I'm going to wait till the end because I, I think I'm going <laughs> to. Now that you're mentioning yours, I think I'm going to put mine in here too. But go ahead. So my top my top three could probably maybe even just be interchanged, but the, I'll put the Rock at three. Obviously, for me, for me, the Attitude Era was the best era of wrestling, and I, I think it kind of has ruined wrestling for me now because I don't know. I'm just I'm not a huge fan of the content right now. Bores me a little bit, but uh, Rock's three for me. I mean, the Rock's just awesome, and he's just turned into this mega like just superstar in, in the movie business and everything, but. Two for me, and it's tough. I, I, I almost want to make them one, but but I can't. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the number two for me, was by far my favorite wrestler during the Attitude Era, and actually still to this day, I, I watch his uh, his Broken Skull sessions that he has on WWE Network, and huge fan of Stone Cold. And then number one was is my probably my childhood hero growing up. Got to throw Hulk Hogan in there as, as my favorite wrestler of all time. I like how you stick with them because. If you're an 80s kid, yep, you got to. <laughs> it was Hulk Hogan. Like, Hulk Hogan was the dude. He was like the, you know, 2000 kids John Cena. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Was for, for us, that was our John Cena. Now, as far as, like, actual his matches, probably not the greatest, actually. But just, yeah, I mean, childhood hero. And, I mean, what, what kid in the 80s did not like Hulk Hogan? <laughs> I don't think there was one. There couldn't have been one. <laughs> Not at so, I, so I have to hear your top five to see yeah. somebody else's perspective on the wrestlers as well. As soon as you said Bret Hart at number four, that kind of tinged me a little bit because that's my favorite wrestler of all time. Okay. I okay. loved Bret Hart as a kid. Uh, during the Attitude Era, he started to turn heel. Him and yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, it started where Austin's the heel, Hart is the uh, face, the, the baby face. And it switched during their matches, during their little feud, yep. and made, I mean, that was the beginning of Stone Cold Steve Austin being the Stone Cold Steve Austin we know and love today. Yeah, and it actually, like, well, for me, uh, for me anyway, like, I think one of the big turning points for people really getting behind Austin was actually the WrestleMania in Chicago when him and Bret Hart fought, and Austin's just gushing in blood and then passes out from the sharpshooter without actually saying, I quit. And I think then he kind of just took off from there. WrestleMania 13, for sure. Yes. 1997. I just know that off the top of my head because I've watched it. Not off the top of my head. It's ingrained. I love that match. I've seen it so many times. Yeah, that was a huge turning point from Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, yeah, you're, you're totally right. That's what gave him, you know, propelled him to the stardom that he got. 
Well, I have to ask, fan or fan or not a fan of, of current WWE? I was going to get to this. L- let me do my top five real quick, and then we'll oh, get yeah, to sorry, that. No, 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 it's cool, it's cool. Because I'm trying to, like, you know, marinate who I got in this top five. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because I wanted to ask you and talk to you about that as well. So after Hart... Oof. I got a group of about seven wrestlers. Not all interchangeable, but I love them all. And almost every time I do one of these top fives, I change somebody. But the ones that never change, Bret Hart is always one. Stone Cold Steve Austin is usually two. If he is not two, he's three. And two is Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, I usually get killed for this one, but I absolutely loved Kevin Nash or Diesel. Like, I don't know why. Not not a great, great wrestler, but just his cockiness, just the way he carried himself. I love that about him. Oh, now I got to do one more, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got four. We got one more to go. This is usually the toss-up where I go either Undertaker or Sting. But today I'm going to go Undertaker because he is Mr. WrestleMania. Sorry, Shawn Michaels. But Undertaker (laughs) to me is Mr. WrestleMania. Well, you can't go wrong with Undertaker or Sting either. That that's two very solid solid picks. I would have loved to have seen Sting have a little, be a little, little younger and a little more of a run in WWE. But I know he was very loyal to the uh, WCW company, and but because I, I feel like he when he by the time he came to WWE, it was that was that was Sting well past his prime. Well, well, well past his prime. Now he's in AEW looking like a fossil, and I feel really bad because. <laughs> That's not the scene that I remember. No, I, I agree with that too. I, I was pumped when I heard that he was going. You know, he was going, but yeah, it's it's almost kind of like, well, I kind of feel sorry for you type of things. Yeah, it's like sometimes you just gotta give things up. Yes. All right. So you asked about current wrestling. I tried. I tried. Two thousand. So I'm gonna say. Let me do my timeline here. I was a huge fan from about. 1990 to about beginning of 1999 i watched every day pretty sure that you and i passed wrestling magazines back and forth together in school i would bring them to school and share them with friends and stuff like that huge into wrestling at that point after that yeah for sure for sure after that you know sports start happening or i became more of an athlete girls chilling with friends and wrestling kind of fell off the face of the planet for me then 2011 i started watching in probably 11 to like 16 or 17 i was watching every raw every smackdown every pay-per-view but then after that it did get really boring i got tired of seeing roman reigns seth rollins or dean ambrose in every single main event with nobody else doing anything except doing really cool matches but not having any type of cool storylines. The storyline writing to me was dead, and I just kind of gave it up. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, and we actually kind of very similar paths as far as wrestling goes. I mean, yeah, after kind of after that initial Attitude Era, I just kind of gave it up for a while, and then right around the same time you talked about kind of like the John Cena, Triple H was still around. That era, I got back into it, and then, yeah, now it's just... I actually think they have more... They have more athletic talent now than they probably ever have, but I think the storyline writing is just brutal. And obviously, currently, COVID hasn't helped them out any with, with no fans. But yeah, the, the storyline, there's just no stories behind anything. Great matches, but no, like, there's no drama anymore. 
like attitude era, you always wanted to turn it on every Monday because you never knew what was going to happen. Like, and it was just something exciting every night. But now it's, yeah, it's, I DVR it and I end up fast forwarding through more of it than I do watch it. For sure. You're right about the attitude era, though. It was like, okay, what's Vince McMahon going to do? What's NWO going to do? Who are they going to jump? What are they going to say? Who are they going to spray paint? Is Steve Austin going to drive into the arena in a beer truck or a milk truck or uh, whatever? It was so crazy because you never knew what was going to happen. You, you couldn't miss it. Like, you, you, you didn't want to miss it. And I always laugh because, like, everybody watched it back then. Like, people, some people might not want to say they watched it, but, like, they, they tuned in. Like, it was, it was, it was entertaining. And yeah, now it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, and I don't, there's no competition anymore either, like, it's WWE and WWE only, AEW, it's just getting started, maybe, maybe, I'm hoping, I'm hoping maybe they can get some stuff going and maybe, maybe push Vince and the writers a little bit to uh, have to get a little more creative. I have not watched a single episode of AEW because I really, like I said, I have the network, I watch old stuff, I watch WrestleMania, I watch Royal Rumble last couple years. I didn't watch it, but I was watching Survivor Series every year. So I really kind of just dumbed it down to Royal Rumble and WrestleMania at this point. But I still listen to podcasts. So I kind of know what's going on through, you know, James E. Cornette. And X-Pac's got one that I listen to. And uh, Bruce Pritchard, I listen to his. And there's a few others that I, you know, listen to here and there. JR, Jim Ross has got one. So I kind of listen to theirs. Figure out what's going on now. Listen to old stories from back in the day. Keep my wrestling juices alive. But (laughs) (laughs) you got to, right? You got to. I I listen to Bruce Pritchard as well. As we grew up in the 80s and the Attitude Era too, I love that podcast because you just get like the in-depth details of like stuff you didn't know before of like what went on behind the scenes and stuff. Like I, I think it's awesome. Definitely. One of my favorite ones is uh, actually, it's probably the beginning of the show is uh, Mr. Perfect and all the, you know, pranks that he pulled and just the, if you remember the vignettes yeah. of him, like, throwing the football in the air and running to catch it by himself and the way that he <laughs> did those in studio like that was awesome to hear a lot of the stuff they talked about like him like i like i didn't i didn't know he didn't expect that about him so that one that one was good too the future that one is a, uh, that's a favorite of mine when they talk about him and just all the stories about him like i i cracked up laughing at that episode which one was it uh the one they do about uh jim Cornette, richard and uh conrad talk about in the WWE. Gotcha. I think you started to cut out a little bit. That's why I had to re-ask it. Yeah, and I love the fact that Conrad really has nothing to do with wrestling, but he's a good voice, and he gets to the point and, like, kind of browbeats Bruce Prichard. He's got one with Eric Bischoff, one with Tony Schiavone. Kind of just browbeats him to get to the truth and, like, tell the real story. That's what I like about him, too, because I know there's certain there's a lot of things I think Bruce tries to hold back on, because I believe he still works for WWE. Uh, don't quote me on that one, but so I think he tries to, you know, he'll always try to defend WWE or decisions they made or stuff like that. But yeah, Conrad will kind of like push him and push him and push him to, you know, get the truth out of him about some stuff. So it's it's entertaining. I don't think Bruce worked for WWE when they first started, but I think he does now. I think he got rehired okay. in the process somewhere. Okay. Yeah, because he. I know he's very. Uh, he's very loyal to uh, to Vince whenever there's potential for any criticism about decisions that were made or something along the way. But oh, that's very true. That's very very true. <laughs> 
And then with Eric Bischoff, Eric Bischoff is like, you know what? It's been so many years. I just can't remember. And then Bruce is like, come on, bro. You remember. You're just not telling me. He doesn't say that exactly. <laughs> but he just, just pushes him to be like, okay, man, it's not everything that we talk about here you can't remember. And it's so crazy now, like, the wrestling landscape, because I know, like, growing up, like, you didn't like none of these guys like talked like out of character really or anything like that like now you get like documentaries on the undertaker which i think is fantastic that he finally did that that he kind of broke character a little bit and talked about everything like because you know like i don't know like growing up none of these guys i always just assumed like undertaker was undertaker even even outside of wrestling you know so just not not with social media and everything like you you find out so much and of what stuff that actually went on it's it's great I remember being a kid, I thought Yokozuna was really a sumo wrestler. I thought Bob Backlund was really running for president of the United States. I thought Mr. Perfect was really perfect. I thought Razor Ramon was really out of the Scarface movie. Man, they had me hooked. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or, or you know, the, the famous, uh, they're from parts unknown, you know. And he, <laughs> but now, you know, now as you get older and stuff, you're... You know, you're smart enough to, to see around that, but it's still, I'm still a fan, you know, and you still, you still stay glued to your seat watching, watching the show. Definitely, definitely. I always enjoy talking wrestling, especially with somebody, you know, we grew up in the same time frame, same era, so it's like, hey, we share all these memories, I like it. Oh, I love it. I, uh, wrestling's one of those things, too, like, it's always, I don't know, you're always kind of like, ah, do I, do I let people know that I follow and I watch it, or, you know. So, yeah, when you find other people that watch it, too, it's always great to be able to talk about it. Definitely. I'm waiting for that next surge, like that next, like, light of awesomeness. Because, like, if you think about it, right before Attitude Era was, like, the new generation era in WWE where they had Bret Hart, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and a bunch of clowns. Yes, and it was like little kids, like characters. It was, so, I mean, yeah, so maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel and maybe we'll... I mean, I, I would like to see them get away. I, I know their moneymaker is staying the G-rated and being kid-friendly and everything, but I mean, I, I'd love to see them go back to maybe not as you know as extreme as the Attitude Era, but just tone up the volume just a little bit, I think, on, <laughs> on some of the promos and stuff they do, because I think that's part of the, of the blur, is there's just, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just too, it's too G-rated for me. Yeah, it went from like, Nine o'clock late night TV on USA and TNT with you know WCW Nitro to now we're like straight off the Disney Channel. Yes, 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 and that's uh, that's exactly. I think that they they yeah they didn't even like it was like the middle ground. It went straight from you know the extreme to exactly to to watching cartoons on the Disney Channel basically. And I just don't think they listen to their audience much anymore either. I mean like. Yeah. You still get Roman Reigns shoved down your throat every night of the week. I'm going to say I was kind of glad they finally turned him heel to try to give that a try, but I I don't think that's working either. No, no, I don't think so at all. Uh, What's his being the only one at the table, or what is it? Yeah, 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 and that's something like, yeah, head of the table or something like that. But yeah, just their storyline writing and the slogans they come up with now, I don't know, it's just... And I don't know if it's just because there's been a lack of competition and they haven't had to really train it or... But... Yeah. Or Seth Rollins and his uh, Monday Night Messiah gimmick. Oh, I personally think they're killing him. Like, they are killing him. And he's yeah, been... that storyline's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt, but he, to me, is one of the best 
products, prospects. He's not a prospect at this point anymore. But one of the best people that they have to me is Seth Rollins. He can do pretty much anything they need him to do, athletically, on the mic, whatever. And you're right, they're burying him. And that's kind of what I, I haven't like, I haven't heard anything, but that's intrigued me for a while too. Was I don't know how he all of a sudden went from like because he was like the top guy for for a while here recently, and he's kind of like like they, he's like mid card now. So I, I I'm not quite too sure what took place with that, but yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. One more thing, wrestling-wise, and then I'll let you go. We've been talking for a while, which I love. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast, my friend. But my one. Yes, yes, yes. My one last question is, you know, every year they have the Hall of Fame, and we're all like, oh, man, this person needs to get in. This person needs to get in. Things like that. Who is somebody that you think should be in that is not in yet? We're going to take Owen Hart out of the conversation because I'm sure. Oh, you stole mine. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's exactly why I did it, because everybody always says Owen Hart and British Bulldog until he just got in this year or this past weekend. But... Usually, everybody says Owen Hart, but the wife is not going to let it happen, things like that. The family still thinks that WWE played a role in his death, things like that. Who else besides Owen do you think should be in this Hall of Fame that's not there yet? That's a tough one now that we've taken him out. Um, For the longest time, I couldn't believe Brett wasn't in yet. I mean, I understood why that didn't happen, but then finally... Finally, that happened. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, 80s era um, of guys that maybe didn't get belt because of it just had to be on Hogan all the time. And correct me here if, I, if I'm not right, but Million Dollar Man is in, correct? Yes. Okay, because he was one he was just thinking of right now. But that's that's tough. I don't know. I stumped you. I feel you. like they've done it. You did stump me. Man, I'm trying to think like even managers that deserve to be in, but I, I'm honestly I'm stumped on this one. You got somebody that you you're dying to get in? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And uh, the only reason I know this, and it's kind of why I asked you, is because I saw this on I'm in a bunch of wrestling groups on Facebook, and they always like put stuff up, sort of kind of like this. And one that I cannot believe is not in the Hall of Fame. So tag team is Demolition. You know, I was I was just gonna say Road Warriors, but and then Demolition too. Yes, they they definitely deserve to be in there. Um, if the Hart Foundation's in, which I believe they already are, Demolition certainly needs to go in there also. Yeah, X and Smash carried the WWE Tag Team Division from I'm gonna say the late '80s to the very beginning of the '90s, with some help, of course, Road Warriors, Hart Foundation, Nasty Boys. But they were like the tag team that you either feared or you loved, and they kind of jumped back and forth. But man, how Axe and oh, Smash are not in there, I don't know. That's crazy to me. And now that you say that, yeah, that, that's definitely got to be top of the list. I mean, when we were growing up, like you said, it was Demolition, Art Foundation, The Rockers, Road Warriors. I mean, yeah, they got to get in. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy, man. So crazy. I will say the one that's in that I don't necessarily fully agree with, and I'm sure a lot of people would say I'm wrong, but I, I don't know that Goldberg needs to be in there. Thank you. I mean, fan, fantastic run in WCW, but... Like, I, I, I've just never understood that one. And I've never honestly understood why he still, to this day, gets such a push in WWE. Me neither. I really wasn't a huge fan of him in his original run. I mean, I can name 10 guys that I probably liked in WCW more than Goldberg. Yeah, 
Yeah, never, never talked, like never, never got on the mic. And I mean, it, it was impressive. I mean, I know WCW used him to try to compete with WWE, but I mean, other than when he beat Hogan for the belt, like, I mean, he was basically taking jobbers out <laughs> within 30 seconds and just really has no, no skill in the ring. And yeah, I've never, I've never quite understood that one. Yeah, he did about two or three moves about four or five times and there's all kinds of stories about how he hurt everybody including yes. the career ending concussion he gave Bret Hart yes yes and that's that's another reason I've, I've, I've never understood the, the Hall of Fame nominee and getting inducted and then I also never understood like like cause they, they've pushed him a couple times since then like in WWE like they they had him take uh Brock Lesnar out in about like what was it two minutes at the one pay-per-view yeah just squashed Brock Lesnar with Goldberg that was insane yes (laughs) I don't know what they're doing they need our help they need us Nick Myers and Brandon LaChance to come be writers for them I I think so I I think so I definitely think it would improve the product a little bit (laughs) I do too I do too Well, I already said this once. I'm going to say it again. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast, my friend. And this is kind of like um, going back to the beginning. You were the very first guest when we had poor audio and didn't quite know what we were doing at Edge of Your Seat Podcast yet. But it was a learning experience, trying to get better. And now pretty solid product we try to put out here. But thank you for, you know, joining, talking about the season, tonight's game, unfortunately a loss. We had Carlos Rondone, why we're talking, pitch a no-no. So this was a great time, great night to chat with you, my friend. Yes, I, I appreciate it. I listen to the podcast. And I think it's awesome, and I, I, I enjoy being on it. 